anybody that's using those software knows that you know it's down half the time now because somebody in Romania just wants those companies to die. Um, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell you why. I mean, I, I don't know why there's so much anger out in Romania. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey there, what's up listener? Welcome back to Traffic Jam. This is episode 39 of the podcast show that teaches you how to get more traffic, leads and grow a profitable audience online. I'm your host, James Reynolds. And as always, I'm super stoked that you could be with me here today. We've got another content packed episode Now, if all of the recent episodes have been getting a little bit too much for you because we've been covering so many strategies, today's the opportunity to step back a little bit and talk about marketing automation, how to take some of those manual tasks and automate them using software or programs. So that's the expert interview today, but don't go anywhere after that because we will, of course, have the regular segments This week's news in traffic, the one minute traffic tip, and of course, to end the show, the traffic jam, which today will be chosen by my guest, Dan Fagella. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So let's introduce Dan. He's the owner of CLV Boost, an agency that specializes in helping you boost the value of your customers using email marketing and automation. He's a black belt in jujitsu and also a writer of poetry, which may leave some clues as to why he's so effective when writing email copy. Now, I was introduced to Dan by Justin Brooke, who presented Dan to me as an email marketing and automation ninja. So on that note, let's introduce Dan and welcome in the interview section of Traffic Jam 39. So welcome, listener, to the interview section of the show. Jamming with me today, I have Dan Fagella from clvboost.com. Dan, a big, warm traffic jam welcome. Hey, James, thanks for having me here. Happy to be here. Well, it's awesome to have you on the call. I guess we should start by explaining what the acronym CLV stands for, and then perhaps a little bit about what you do over at clvboost.com. For sure, yeah. So uh, CLV is Customer Lifetime Value. Um, and, uh, and CLV boost is our consultancy, which is focused on email marketing and marketing automation all around essentially customer lifetime value. So for some people that's e-commerce purchases, it might be sales and appointments for salespeople for higher ticket or, you know, more consultative sales stuff, or it might be engagement. If it's an app, a website, something that we need a lot of users in, but either way, customer lifetime value ties to something. And we're all about kind of automation email and how to drive that stuff. So that's, uh, that's the world I'm in with CLV and, and the stuff that we do here. Awesome. Well, I think we should start by talking a little bit about the automation aspect. And I'd like to start with the big stuff. 
what could I automate if I really wanted to live that kind of Tim Ferriss four hour work week <laughs> lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess uh, most Traffic Jam listeners are probably familiar with automated email follow up. Um, yeah. And I probably will ask you about that later. And they yeah. may also know about things like webinar automation, postcard yeah. automation. But what are the cooler, less commonly talked about things that can be automated, should I wish? Yeah, totally. Um, first and foremost, as a sidebar, I mean, I'm, um, I, I think that Tim, I mean, I, I have a lot of, obviously, oodles of respect for Tim Ferriss. He's, he's kind of, he's done his thing and, and that's been, you know, that's, that's made clear. Um, however, you know, automation for me does not in really involve more time for margaritas. It really involves finding a way to set up marketing, uh, that can scale with your business. So I'm in Cambridge in Boston and a lot of these guys, you know, aren't, aren't really here to drink more margaritas. They're here to take companies public. And they're here to, you know, really come up in the game. So um, the, the work that we're doing a lot of the time in terms of automation is setting up uh, marketing follow-up and, and uh, follow-up and automated related tasks and activities, which I'll get into in one second, um, that can really help a service, an e-com, an app company um, really scale. So they don't need a guy copying and pasting templates. They don't need a guy to put sticky notes on a computer to remember to call people. So when we talk about automation at a higher level, James, um, some of it will involve the very simple, when you opt in, you'll receive 36 emails straight about XYZ topic, right? So that's, that's mm. relatively common. I think everybody, everybody, uh, at traffic jam for sure has the idea. I mean, a lot of these guys are driving paid traffic. You've had Justin on here. Um, you know, they're, they're down with pumping people into funnels. What can be automated is a number of very interesting factors based off of, you know, even similar triggers, uh, simple triggers like that. So here's the, if somebody enters their name and information for a white paper, uh, you know, we can not only trigger off a sequence of automated emails, but there's there's behavioral calibrations that we can make. So, for example, if let's say, you know, someone opts in for this white paper and I send them, you know, and they, they enter their name, you know, email, phone number, whatever, there can be a task that can get kicked off to a dashboard of a sales guy. And that task will stay there until he calls that person. And then uh, once he calls that person, he can kind of record what the result was, you know, a set appointment, whatever else, uh, or voicemail. And then he can click what happened at the end of the call. You know, I, I set a second appointment. I failed to set a second appointment or I just left a voicemail. Based off of which one of those three happened, the rest of the email sequence can then move forward. So if he calls a guy on day two and he leaves a voicemail, he can kind of adjust the sequence and calibrate the sequence. So it says something like, Hey, you know, Jim here, get, you know, gave you a call yesterday. Just want to make sure I could reach out. I saw you got our white paper on blank, blank, blank. If he talked to the guy and the guy didn't buy, he might scale back the communication, not annoy him as though they never talked, but scale back the communication. So now maybe, maybe two, three, four weeks later, he gets a couple trickled emails from that same sales guy, which are completely automated, which are more like, Hey, I thought this other white paper might be helpful. This is just to educate you. Hey, I know this might not be the right time, but I thought these would be some great resources you might learn from. Hey, I'm still here for you if you need help. So those might be scaled, you know, on a monthly or bi-monthly basis for about 12 months if we don't get the sale. Now, if we do get the sale, we might you know, have an automated sequence that triggers to the next appointment. So based off what happens on the phone, we can calibrate all sorts of great automated fun things. Um, and, and that's just kind of the beginning of the pipeline. So that, that's, that's outside of email and how email and, and uh, non-digital marketing, so to speak, can kind of interact to build an automated system that really calibrates relevance and calibrates the right kind of communication um, to drive the sale, whether at, whether that's slow and we're going nurture mode or whether that's fast and we got to get the guy's attention. Hopefully that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's roll back a little bit and kind of start yeah. at the beginning. What marketing or sales function, if any, do you recommend a business get started with when it comes to automation? Sure. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're, you know, when you're talking about basic automation, um, a lot of people will have, let's say, uh, you know, they'll have MailChimp or something. I mean, MailChimp will only get you so far. It's kind of like the go-kart of, and I, I hate to, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm also not bashing on MailChimp. I feel like I, I, you know, so many people use them here in Cambridge because they have a free trial, but then so many people want to actually make money with email and then they really can't do it without, you know, more functionality. Um, so, you know, if, if you want to very basically get started, I mean, a tool like MailChimp actually can be very helpful. And, and of course, they, they do serve a great role and they are a good company. Um, so, you know, a, a basic functionality would be your essential follow-up sequences. And the really essential ones here, James, are what is your new, your new prospect and your new customer sequence? So if someone opts in through Form A, now you might have B and C and D, but we'll just talk about A. If they opt in through Form A, what kind of communication are we going to consistently deliver to them? And then next question, when they buy product A, what now is the communication that we need to uh, drip out? And all of those things are geared towards what would we like their next step to be and how can we optimally entice that um, with a mixture of education, testimonials, and calls to action. So if they opt in for a thing, we may want to educate them, show them other successful smiling people doing what, what <laughs> we want them to do, right? And then, um, and then um, present our offer, whether that's an e-commerce purchase, setting an appointment, whatever the case may be. Now, when they buy that thing, we might want to retain them on a monthly retainer. So we might want to consistently give them helpful tips. We might want to send them other testimonies. We want to encourage them to call support and understand the functionality of the software they just bought or encourage them to repurchase, you know, a pair of, you know, they bought some sandals. We're going to sell them another offer for some other summer fun gear. So the basic automation sequences, James, if there's anything at all is, what happens after they opt in? What is the ideal string of communication? And then what happens after they purchase? What's that ideal string? Those basic steps are probably more than a lot of online stores have. And it's very, very helpful to at least have those in place. Yeah. And I guess this is where the CLV element comes in, right? You're either yeah, moving a, a prospect closer to a sale or you're moving a, a customer closer back to a sale, hopefully by just nurturing them again and offering them other stuff and um, getting them back into the purchase cycle. Yep. Good. Um, exactly. Fantastic. Well, um, I guess my next question would be, what shouldn't be automated? Yeah. Um, so this is this is pretty pretty interesting. I mean, I, I like to think about uh, automating as much as we can. I'll tell you. Okay, I'll, t I'll talk about some automation blunders maybe here, James. One thing. One thing that I don't uh, that I don't generally prefer to be automated is um, is like newsletter type content. So if, if you think to yourself, um, and, and look, I mean, if, if it's a business, you don't really, if it's a business that you're not planning on scaling to some bigger level or, or you kind of want to have it on the side and literally not think about it, that's okay. But generally any kind of weekly or monthly like news or newsletter type shebang um, ought, ought not to be automated because a lot of the pull of those kind of emails, which are going to encourage your long-term open rates, your long-term click-through rates, ultimately your long-term conversions and now we're talking about CLV again um, ultimately a lot of the a lot of that there is going to tie to relevance it's going to tie to what just happened what cool story just happened what happened in the news that we can use in a subject line to get an open what happened recently with a client uh, where they got featured in this big uh, press release and it's going to make all your other clients want to be successful too um, the newsletter type continuous uh, continuous education continuous testimonial more light touch nurture type stuff 
if possible, and if it's a business you care about, and some of you out there, uh, you know, I, I, I think I can put myself in this category sometimes, you know, you have some side businesses, there's funnels that are pumping and you just sort of like, yeah, one day I'll sell that thing, but right now I'll just make money from it. Great. I mean, you know, who cares about your newsletter and that business? But if it's a business you really want to take care of and you want to really uh, build a, a rich database of people that, that very attunedly pay attention to you, make your newsletters not pre-scheduled six months in advance, but make that something you actually take the time to calibrate right then and there, or at least that week, you know, what is going to get the open? What's most relevant? What's most exciting? What's most timely? Um, and what's going to do the job right here and now? So that's one thing I would recommend not automating a long time out. Yeah. And I guess it's getting that balance, right? I mean, let's use uh, the example of this website that the Traffic Jam podcast sits on. The, the Traffic Jam episodes, they get broadcast. They go out when the episode gets published. Yeah, The yeah, yeah. conversations, the things that you and I are talking about, Dan, they're perhaps timely and relevant to a certain moment in time. That's when they want to be going out. But there's other information that might move my prospects closer to a sale that's going to remain pretty standardized over the course of a, a lifetime. And I guess those are things that perhaps go into a sequence and be automated if and when someone opts in, right? Yep, yep, exactly. So, so there's... There's your yellow brick road type stuff, and then there's your more in the moment sort of important to be very relevant type stuff. So, uh, you know, yellow brick road, James, is, you're obviously well familiar, is, you know, when, when someone does X, we should give them, uh, you know, STUV, whatever, in, in, a, in, a, in a direct row, in a direct line, in a direct sequence over this amount of time to make sure that they take step you know, Z or whatever the case may be, right? We're really enticing a particular action. In that case, we don't like, like your Facebook fan page, for example, when someone likes your page, you don't automatically get them to see the posts in order that you want. Uh, like Facebook is always just a broadcast. The benefit of email is your initial relationship can look, smell, feel, and be experienced in a certain way for everyone. And, and that's something that when you, when you get a dialed down system, when you actually know how to test these things, you can have a front end sequence if it converts 25% higher than your previous front end sequence. And, you know, you could be testing it, but you can have all your people running through a very, very efficient funnel. So yes, you're correct. Some things, obviously we want a yellow brick road, so to speak. Other things, of course, we want that relevance. We want that timeliness. And ultimately we want to keep that relationship alive. Yeah. Well, you're obviously at the coal face with all of this stuff, Dan. What's the most impressive use of marketing automation you've either ever created yourself or you've seen out there in the marketplace? Yeah, I think I think the really well done stuff here um, is is uh, you know th there's plenty of people in in the bigger technologies that are using this. There's a lot of great case studies with Infusionsoft. I think. I think the, 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 the best examples, I mean, there's a business called hearandplay.com. It's all about kind of how to, how to play music by ear. Sort of an interesting business, about a, a 12, 12 million bucks a year. But their marketing and their leveraging of marketing automation is significantly better than the vast majority of public companies. Like when you opt in on this, on this uh, email funnels that, that, that they have set up, um, a lot of it is based and calibrated off of behavior. So the higher level and the very interesting setup uh, for really what I think is, is going to be a, a big direction for the future of marketing automation is calibrating communication based on behavior of a prospect. So if we know that we sent them a white paper, but they didn't click it to download it, um, you know, it, it, it's worthwhile to at least test. So we shouldn't necessarily behaviorally calibrate everything because it doesn't necessarily make sense. But if we know that the consumption of a white paper is an essential factor to the sales guy closing the deal, right? We need an educated client. We need an educated person who doesn't say, well, I I'm going to, 
I'm going to get back to read. I mean, you sent me a bunch of stuff, so I'm, I'm going to get back to read it. So if we know that that's a critical step, calibrating if they can show up to their appointment, how they book their appointment, or even calibrating a notice to the sales guy to let them know, hey, this person hasn't read the uh, the white paper. Those kind of functionalities based on behavior are very, very interesting. And I think that in terms of the future of marketing automation, um, you know, the, there's a lot of big companies getting a lot of funding. Uh, Acton and, and Silverpop just got bought out and Fusionsoft's hopefully going to go public soon. Um, you know, they're all thinking about how they can be a step ahead. And really, that's not just a level of pre-scheduled automation, but that's a level of calibration to the behavior of the prospect. So that that's the, that's the cool stuff in the future. And that example with a phone appointment and the consumption of an ebook first, which means clicking a link, um, you know, that's just one example. We might remind that person two days later, hey, I noticed you didn't download the ebook yet. I just want to make sure you, you saw this um, before you talk to Frank on the phone at Wednesday at 530. Thanks so much. That's totally automatable. And that's a great way to make sure that that sales guy is not wasting his time. Yeah, well, I've got some pretty good results with, uh, I guess, a very low level of what you're talking about, Dan. I mean, on my uh, SEO agency site, we have a um, uh, something that gets triggered if someone goes on to one of the, the package pages, the deeper internal content of the site where they're really looking at kind of the sales material. Um, and if they don't go on to place an order, there'll be a message that follows them up a couple of days later that literally just says, hey, saw you were checking out. Um, our packages. If you've got any further questions or you'd like to hop on the phone um, to, you know, ask a bit more, here's a telephone number, here's to go about it. And you'll be surprised how many people actually respond to those, which kind of could seem a little bit, um, I guess, a little bit uh, intrusive or a bit sort of stalker style to think that, you know, someone's sending a message just based on an action on a website, but yeah. they're really, really relevant. And hey, some people just forget to do stuff. So if you can help That's them, it. you know, if you can help them do something they're planning and move them a bit further then it's uh, it's well worth your time right totally and and it, and if you and if you follow up with you know and ultimately you know i like to pay attention to the people that are at the head of the curve so you know uh, the guy at here in play i mean that's one example but you know i i like to look at how marketing automation uh software companies actually leverage their own software or leverage marketing automation so if you go to hubspot for example or you go to marketo or you go to pardot uh james you know, they have higher price points and all that, but their follow-up is very much not like, Hey, here's whiz bang tip number three. It's very much like, Hey, this is Stephanie, uh, with, with HubSpot blank, blank, blank. You know, I saw you got it in this white paper. I'd be happy to help you and be your point person here. Here's my phone number. You know, when's a great time that we can chat? You know, that's the kind of automated messaging that they have. It, it just seems professional. They know what you've done. They know what you've grabbed, but it is automated. Um, but, but they but they're, but their follow-up is exactly like you had just mentioned. So it's not all like, here's funky video number six, you know, like in your everyday email sequence. It's a lot of the time, you know, that that B2B kind of, you know, higher, higher touch, higher personalization. And like you said, I mean, you're getting responses to those kind of emails and it doesn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I mean, some of the best results I'm getting in my own business are actually based on real manual actions it's you know sending a handwritten thank you card it's taking yeah, a customer yeah, yeah. out to to lunch all that sort of stuff but still you can use automation to actually you know facilitate the reminders that you know yes. prompt you to go out and do that stuff so it's not yeah. all about just a blanket no. email with no name on it and all mm. that you know it, it, you really can personalize it to make it really engaging even for a, a high touch point business like that right 
all day long. And just like you said, I mean, here's some great examples, okay? So let's talk about take a client out to lunch. Let's talk about a personal card, right? People would say, well, you know, that's all that new age business mumbo jumbo. You know, back in my day, you know, we used to send them real personal cards. Well, yeah, for the love of goodness. I mean, personal cards still work, right? I do it, you do it, we do it. Um, but but the thing is, you know, if, if you can have if you can, if you have to remind and remember from yourself, like how and when to send those cards, that's a little bit annoying. Like if, 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 you know, if, uh, directly after XYZ type of transaction happens in your system, you can have something pop up in your dashboard and or email that will say, Hey, this is going to keep annoying you till it's done. And it's all about sending that postcard that will actually facilitate the quote unquote non-automated stuff. Similarly speaking, James, something that, you know, we've done in occasional intervals in our martial arts online business, which is one of the niches that we're in, in addition to the consulting work uh, with startups and other companies is, um, you know, when somebody spends at a certain amount, what's the thing that we want to now happen? So, okay, their customer lifetime value just hit $500. That's when, you know, for you, James, maybe when someone's customer lifetime value hits, you know, whatever your threshold is, that's the Hey, James, it's time to call this person and take them out to lunch. Now, if they live too far away, you're going to go to this website and the link's already in the email and you're going to buy them brownies and send them to them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, boom, that email kicks. As soon as somebody's CLV hits a certain point within your CRM, um, CLV, CRM, I'm confusing people. Uh, as soon as someone's <laughs> customer lifetime value reaches a certain threshold in your system, you can automatically kick off a trigger to make you call them and do an explicit action like taking them out to lunch, which of course you don't have any robots to take them out to lunch yet. Now, you know, wait 20 years and we'll see how that goes. But um, <laughs> no, really though, I mean, that's why I'm in Cambridge, not in uh, Silicon Valley, actually artificial intelligence robotics. Uh, but, but, uh, but, 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 you know, with that stuff being aside, okay. Uh, you know, that can actually be a facilitator of those things. And, and note that those little reminders can kick off in places where you don't want to have to comb your eyeballs on all the time. You don't yeah. want, I don't want to have to look through 25,000 martial arts contacts and figure out on a weekly report combing through onesie twosie, hey, who hit the $500 CLV threshold and we can send them a personal letter? Heck no. See you later. How about send me an email when that happens? That guy gets a personal note. He knows he's cared about. And now the non-automated stuff becomes automated. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny actually. I've, yeah. I've got a whole box of uh, books. I've got um, Joe Pulitz's epic content marketing book. Big, huge box of them sitting by my side here, and I've got a, a sequence that runs out of uh, Entreport, um, the the system I use, which just prompts me at about the point of five and a half months once a client's been on board for that period. At that yeah. point, they're uh, you know they're pretty decent um, customer. They've got um, you know high value to me, and I just got a little note that says send them a gift and at the moment the gift that's going out is the book from joe polizzi and it just takes nothing but the return that i get from that is fantastic i mean the comments the emails it's all great oh yeah and it's like again you, you want that reminder to happen automatically you don't you don't you don't want your brain to have to run through those things over and over and over you want to just here's it pops in your inbox you write a note on the inside cover you send it with a card and now that person is delighted and that's something that you could totally uh set up in your automated system yeah, good. Now, you were introduced to me as the email marketing badass by oh, Justin Brooke. <laughs> so I've got to ask you a few questions about email marketing okay. automation, cool. especially the kind of follow-up sequences and segmentation and all of that good stuff. Yeah, so the, the first question I've got is, as marketers, we always want to be having the most relevant conversation possible, of course, with a prospect or a customer, whoever it might be. With that in mind, what do you recommend a business do in terms of categorizing, tagging or segmenting their subscriber list so they can be sending the most relevant messaging possible? 
Yeah, I, I, I've spoken a lot on this, um, and and this is a this is a really relevant topic. And sometimes, like you probably have similar things, James, where it's like you know, if when you go into a business and you and you get them to think through X problem, like you could just walk away and send them a bill for a massive amount of money and totally feel justified because you just know, like, wow, like if you just implement that, that's tremendously valuable. Like some of your SEO work, you know, there's businesses that you've worked with that I'm sure, you know, you turn the dial on, you know, XYZ keywords and you find how to make that sustainable. And it's like magic. The segmentation on the front end is one of these strategic higher level thinking things that, you know, there's some research behind, but, uh, but really makes a business hum and click. And when you can fill your whole database uh, with folks that are segmented and tagged in, and tagged in relevant ways, you are so ahead of the curve of even large and relatively sophisticated companies, it's not even funny. So here's what I recommend, James. Really good take-home stuff for anybody tuned in is highly recommend segmenting on the, on the front end. And I recommend segmenting on the front end in a way that, um, in, a, in a way that in, in the, the, the absolutely most relevant way. So the question can be posed like this. What one data point, if it's like a, let's say a three to seven option drop down menu or radio button click or whatever, what one data point would we want to have about this person when they give us their email or their name, email, or their name, email, phone number? We're going to add a drop down to the front end forms. Normally, we're going to see the same opt in rate, by the way, James. Every now and again, you'll see a drop, a, a drop down, lower it by a couple nominal percentage. Every now and again, I've seen a drop down up uh, the opt in a couple percentages, particularly in spaces where, um, and you know, this is a little bit, uh, ancillary. In other words, you know, I haven't done like a, you know, a study across 8 million companies or something, mm -hmm. but when it, when, when all you see is just email, 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 and that's all anybody's using, you'll sometimes get higher opt-ins when you had a drop down. So a lot of people are afraid, oh my goodness, adding another data point. Why I'll get half the opt-ins. Not true. Test it. Um, and, and here's the thing I actually would say, even if you had a significant drop, which, which I, I actually very rarely see. Um, almost never. Uh, and again, it's relatively ancillary, right? Not 8 million companies testing this with, but I would encourage anybody to test it is, um, is you won't see a significant drop, but I would, I, even, even if you saw a little one, which normally people don't, um, it pays for itself. And here's why. So check this out. Let's say, um, so one of the, one of the companies that, you know, we did some, uh, smaller work with earlier on was a consultancy in the crowdfunding space. All right. So these guys do big consulting projects, uh, you know, five, five figure type, uh, you know, film and promotions and all this stuff for crowdfunding projects. And, and instead of having, give us your email and we'll tell you about what we do for crowdfunding. Um, I asked them the question, which I'm going to have the listeners run through their own brains right now. What is the one most relevant data point that if we could put on this person, it would allow our, our messages to be optimally relevant. In other words, James, it would give us the best access to the magic buy button in their brain. So, so here, here's, here's, here's the, the, the magic question. We can do this in a bunch of different ways. We can do it by what is their major goal and objective? What is their, so goal and objective could be, you know, in the internet marketing space, do you want to be super rich? Do you want to live off your laptop and, you know, spend time with your kids? Do you want to quit your job because you hate it so much? Those are like major goals. All right. Yep. When it's, when it's position, okay. For this crowdfunding um, consultancy, it was, are you an entrepreneur? Are you a marketing agency? Or are you an independent content creator that wants to crowdfund, um, you know, something that they've made? They found that the people that are coming to them fit into those three categories. Now, they decided to go that route. They could have also done, you know, how big is your company? One to 10 people, 10 to 30 people, 30 to 100 people, 100 to five. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but, but they decided to go with role. So role was entrepreneur, 
content creator or marketing agency. Reason being, they determined that was the most relevant data point that would allow them to pinpoint target every single email they sent. Because as you can imagine, if they're kind of white labeling their service as something that another marketing agency is wrapping up into a big project they're doing for a company, they need to market to an agency a completely different direction than they need to market to entrepreneurs. And they need to do that completely differently than to someone who doesn't even know business and they just want to crowdfund. They have the money and they just want to kind of like get out there and get their project to the world, right? They don't think about business. They're not talking about metrics. So now what they would, what they did, and this is what I recommend anybody out there do, all of their front end emails were not somewhat relevant. So let me explain what a somewhat relevant email is. Somewhat relevant email is, hey, you're interested in doing a crowdfunding project. Here are some best practices. That's okay, right? We know they're interested in crowdfunding and they might buy a service. But if I know you're interested in crowdfunding and you're an entrepreneur, then guess what kind of education I'm going to give you? How entrepreneurs can leverage crowdfunding might be very similar, but that in your subject line gets open rates at magnitudes higher than just best practices for crowdfunding. You use the word entrepreneur when they've told you they are one, your opens and your clicks are going to jump for every single subseg unless you're screwing it up. Um, so the, the other, so, so the other thing is here, um, you know, every testimonial on the entrepreneur funnel, let's say it's 12 emails long. What are all the testimonials from? Are they from marketing agencies that used you well? No, they're from entrepreneurs who succeeded in their entrepreneurial endeavors and made more money because of what you did. That's what they want to see when it's content creators. Are you, are you telling about entrepreneurs? No, you're telling about people that love their craft, that used you to help, help, help expand their art and share something with the world, right? That's the desired benefit. Those are your testimonials. Your, your opens go higher, your clicks go higher. And now let's say you get the same percent of opt-in on your front end website because you forked them on the front end. Now every single email gets opened higher and every single email gets clicked through higher. Even if we're talking about tiny percentages, that is a lot of money at the end of 12 months. So I recommend anybody with a bland front end opt-in, allow it to be a drop down and uh, segment those guys in the front end because three months later, you'll thank me for it. Yeah, that, no, this is fantastic stuff. And I guess the other thing that you could segment um, on would be things like sort of service category, right? If they were coming in and I don't know, I mean, I'll use the example of um, my business, perhaps yeah, yeah. we do SEO on one side and then we do Google AdWords management on the other. So we're doing paid traffic and or organic traffic. If someone yeah. comes to my site and lands on a, a page and interacts with content all about SEO, it would make sense to kind of tag them that they've join the list via an SEO page, right? So I could give them more SEO related content because that's sort of stuff they're interested in. All day long, all day long. And, and you know, if you go to HubSpot again, I like to look at the people that are eating their own dog food. So, you know, <laughs> some people, some people might know, some people might not like HubSpot makes a lot of money. Okay. Like more than most internet marketers and HubSpot's probably going to go public and most internet marketers aren't. So like, I like to watch them. I like to watch business. So, um, so if you look at them, they have a bunch of blogs about uh, Facebook marketing, guess what the ebook is at the bottom of that? It's about Facebook marketing. Yeah. Guess what the initial emails you get about are? They're about Facebook marketing and how entrepreneurs can use Facebook marketing. And you say the size of your company, you know, they're going to call you already knowing that. They're already calibrating. So yeah, for you, James, it could be the type of service, right? And you might even go a little deeper. You might, you might say, you know, um, you know, SEO for, I mean, I, if all maybe you do a lot of work, maybe half of your SEO work is people who are making money from ad AdSense type sites. You know, yeah. SEO for AdSense 
SEO for product sales, right? And now the SEO AdSense guy, if every single email I get from you is about how you've murdered it with other SEO AdSense guys, guess who the heck I'm going to call? I'm going to call you, not <laughs> Captain not Captain Generic. Oh, I do SEO. I also do graphic design. If you pound down my throat how many more clicks you've got for these other guys who are sitting on beaches and doing half a million a month from AdSense clicks on banners, um, I am calling you really, really quick. So yes, type of service, totally a great, a great pick there, James. Yeah. Well, I'm um, taking a slight little sidestep now. What do you find is the optimum contact frequency for email? And I ask this question because kind of outside this whole internet marketing space in the offline world, almost every business I speak to kind of pisses their pants if they send more than two emails every like six months or so. Like they're just worried that they're going to, you know, annoy their customers. What have you found to be the optimum frequency for driving sales? You're, you're, you're absolutely right about that. And there's a lot of really interesting things uh, about that, you know, particularly, and this is particularly when it's the case, right? It's, I find that people that make, that explicitly make money when they send emails don't care as much about getting opt-outs, right? Um, that like, because they make money. So normally if it's the, if it's the entrepreneur or like the CMO who really gets it kind of, and, and, and they understand the correlation of email and, uh, and revenue, and they're compensated likewise, um, they are less uh, fearful, as you had said, kind of, you know, pissing their pants, uh, with respect to getting an opt-out or having somebody email them back like, I get too many emails from you. Um, you know, I, I have a 25,000 person list that I email pretty much every day, and I get like, I don't know, two of those a month? It's freaking obscene. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, we're really monetizing a martial arts niche that ultimately like is pretty hard to monetize. It's, it's a really crazy little weird niche, but, but yeah, the idea is, is, is this. So I wish I had a simpler answer for you, James, but like anything in business, that's a pretty complex question. If I'm working with a company with CLV boost, ultimately, um, some of the front end testing will not only be about, uh, you know, themes and hypotheses for subject lines, it's also going to be around timing and testing. So we might do once every two days, we might do, you know, uh, once every day for the first two weeks and then spread it out farther. And those are things you have to do cohort testing with and really, really, uh, really study. And that's the kind of, you know, most of the time, as you know, James, people set up, there's plenty of people listening to this call that have had the same backend 12 email sequence for five years and they've never tested frequency one time. Yeah. Never, t never split tested it against a frequency that's less frequent or more frequent. I mean, you know, you, you, you make two or three tests and now you're making, let's say 10% more money for every single human being that kind of goes through that in terms of front end revenue. Um, you know, how about we let that run for a year and see what that does to the bottom line, but nobody does it. So that's what we kind of get brought on and hired for. So it's not a very simple thing. It does involve some testing. Here's some best practices and this will be enough for people to have some takeaways, James, because I, I don't want to say it's complicated. Um, I'd rather give something that's useful. So um, generally, if you're working in kind of like an affinity and or fun niche in space, um, normally your frequency can go higher when you are working with something that um, someone wouldn't want to like kind of consume in terms of snackable type content um, on a semi-regular basis, you have to be a little bit more tentative. So if you're a PR agency, you, I think it's very, very difficult to give PR advice every single day. Maybe there's a sub-segment that will want to select that frequency, but it's usually really not the case. Um, however, if you are like, I'm in one of the spaces that I'm in, so I still run my own internet marketing businesses that we're kind of growing in order to sell so that we can invest in companies here in Cambridge. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta raise the bucks however, however we can. I'd rather raise my own than somebody else's. So we're going to scale these internet marketing businesses. Um, is, uh, 
is, you know, the martial arts niche, right? And, and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu niche. So that's where I got my black belt and did the national tournament thing. And, and that's one of my first brick and mortar business was a martial arts gym, which I sold a year ago. And, uh, and it, you know, so those people can get an email every day because that's, it's an affinity thing, right? It's fun. Whiz bang. Like, oh, cool. Martial arts moves. Like people like that. If you're in the pet niche, you can probably do the same thing. If you're selling face creams, Although beauty might be something you can be frequent about, no one wants to be reminded of face cream every single day. That by itself, that by itself is not something that they want, you know, pardon the pun, shoved in their face on a regular basis. So you have to kind of calibrate it by the level of affinity and the level of kind of like snackability and usefulness or funness of the content. So if people are there partially for that kind of snacking affinity funness, then normally your frequency can go up and you really stay on their radar by doing more of that. And generally speaking, again, we're talking generally, I'd, I'd advocate anybody uh, test is, uh, you know, when you're really on the opposite end and you're more of a utility or you're more kind of a one-time service or you're more something that doesn't want to be shoved in people's faces, you start to, you start to begin your testing with slightly uh, more scaled back communication. So not cut and dry, James, but I hope that was helpful for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the other thing is, if you've got the technology to support it, you can also perhaps allow people to select their own frequency, right? I mean, if they get yes. too much email, instead of unsubscribing, say, hey, move from the daily option, would you prefer to have a weekly summary email or, or something to that effect? Big time. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very much correct there. And, and giving people that ability to modulate their own communication is is uh, is a fantastic option. And you use Entreport, so you're familiar. Infusionsoft is the same thing. Any of the more robust systems will let people do that. Yeah. Well, let's finish up just by talking yeah. a little bit about technology. We've mentioned a bunch of systems just then Infusionsoft, Entreport. We talked about HubSpot. There's a whole bunch of options out there without kind of weighing one up against the other. What sort of features should we be looking for in a system to kind of automate our marketing effectively? Yeah, um, it's really going to depend on your needs. So if you're a pretty simple internet marketing business and you don't plan on, you know, uh, you don't plan on doing, you know, a quarter of a million bucks in the next 12 months or, or whatever else. Um, and, and you can, you can sort of get away with, we send people down one big long funnel and when they buy product X, they get moved up to the second tier of offers. And then when they buy a product on tier two, we move them to tier three, you know, and then, uh, you know, they end up in kind of a general nurture sequence or something. It, 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 if your business is at a, a very basic level where that's kind of the case, like let's say a newbie internet marketing business or a newbie, uh, you know, e-com style business, then, you know, I kind of recommend the get responses of the world, the constant contacts of the world, those, uh, AWeber as well, although AWeber and get response have been, been getting pounded with DDoS attacks. Anybody that's using those software knows that, you know, it's down half the time now because somebody in Romania just wants those companies to die. Um, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell you why. I mean, I, I don't know why there's so much anger out in Romania, but <laughs> it might have to do. With, it might have to do with living conditions or vodka or like some other factors. But but either way, um, you know. So so get responses to getting hammered. Constant contact luckily has stayed safe, although their interface, in my opinion, isn't as nice. So anyway, short answer: simple business, e-com or pure internet marketing. I would recommend your get response, your constant contact. You want to start getting more robust. In other words, you're selling higher ticket. You're involving sales guys and dashboards and things like that. Um, you know, stepping into infusion and entreport is usually a good move. You know, if, if you're more of an enterprise-ish shebang and, and we're talking about 50 or more people or, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of people, um, you're probably going to need to scale up to a, a par dot, a exact target, a Marketo. So in terms of the software that I'm at least familiar with, I'm by no means an expert at all of them, although I can kind of speak all of their languages, so to speak. Um, those are the recommendations I would give based on the level and the complexity of, of what you're doing. 
Fantastic. Well, Dan, I think we should leave it there. That's been an absolutely yes. action-packed, content-packed episode. I'd like to make Ooh. sure that our listeners can reach out and find you somewhere on the web, wherever you're hiding out. Where should they go yeah. to, to check you out? I, I actually am hiding out right now, oddly enough. I'm focusing so much on on uh, scaling and selling this internet marketing business. So I'm like uh, dragging myself out for consulting stuff. These but yeah, in, in terms of learning a little bit more about what we talked about, clvboost.com. So again, it stands for customer lifetime value, clvboost.com. We have a, a white paper that basically goes over a lot of plug and play strategies of what we talked about today. So I very much hope James, my goal, and sorry if I talk fast, I drink a lot of coffee, but I aim to be as obviously as positively helpful and useful as possible in terms of plug and play stuff. We have a white paper on like, four or five case studies and 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 uh and very common mistakes that if you read through it once i mean it's guaranteed like new ideas holes that you can patch and you'll at least get an idea of what we do as well so very useful that white papers at clvboost.com people who want to reach out to me personally can go there but i definitely recommend the the white paper at least in terms of getting an idea of of what we do so clvboost.com is the place to go james Awesome. Well, I'm going to make this super easy for you, listener. That resource and, of course, all of the others that Dan has mentioned in today's show, episode 39 of Traffic Jam, will be on the episode page along with a full transcript, a link to clvboost.com, and I guess a link to, to, uh, to Dan's social media profiles as well. So, Dan, once again, thank you for coming on Traffic Jam. It's been an absolute pleasure. James, thank you for having me, brother. This week's news in traffic. Okay, so to our first story this week, we head on over to Facebook and a story I picked up from Marketing Land. And the story is that Facebook back in March announced a change to brand pages, which was rolled out initially to a small section of brand pages on Facebook, is about to get a wider release on June the 6th. Now, in this change to the page design, instead of newsfeed posts appearing in two side-by-side columns, as they currently do, for brand pages on Facebook, they'll now appear in one column. Now, additionally to that, there's also some changes to things like administrative tools and insights, which have changed location. Now, most interestingly, they're adding a snapshot of engagement metrics displayed to the right of the cover photo, showing details about ad campaigns, page likes, post reach and notifications in one simple dashboard right at the top of the newsfeed for you to see. So if you want to go check out what those changes are, I will, of course, keep a link to that post in this week's episode page. Just head on over to the show notes and you'll find further details there. So to our second story this week, we head on over to Twitter, who appear to be testing a feature to encourage more video sharing on their network. Now, the test first reported by Peter Kafka in Recode and apparently limited to the Twitter iOS app prompts users to post a trailer clip from Seth MacFarlane's upcoming A Million Ways to Die in the West movie when someone starts typing in the hashtag hash a million. Now, Twitter has long made it clear that tweets with visual elements like Pictures or videos perform much, much better on their network. So making it simpler to add video to tweets certainly makes sense for Twitter. 
Now, all of this follows a recent move by Twitter to display videos within the timeline of Twitter itself when you're logged in via the mobile application. So I think the movement towards a more mobile centric and video centric platform is certainly a good move by Twitter. For further information on that story, also head on over to the show notes page of Traffic Jam 39. In other traffic news from elsewhere on the web, well, SEOs, they're in disarray again with the rollout of Panda 4.0 on 21st of May, which apparently has affected some 7% of search results, according to reports. Now, if you've got low grade content on your site, you may have experienced a drop in your rankings. Also from Google, some interesting developments with their remarketing options. Now, if you're retargeting people who have already visited your site, which is probably a good idea, hint, hint, then you may want to go out and check those options as well. All links to these stories will be in the episode page for Traffic Jam 39. Wow. Uh, well, what can I say? A truly heartfelt thank you to you if you've left a review for the show. I love to get your comments and feedback and it certainly is helping because this week we climbed up to number three in the media and marketing category on iTunes and that's just ahead of Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income. So that's pretty cool. So a real heartfelt thank you to you. Really, your comments and reviews are really helping get the show additional exposure. And that's exactly my aim. I want to get this content out to more people. So thank you to you if you have left a review. If you'd still like to do so, the places to go and do it are iTunes and Stitcher. In both places, you just log in, you select a star rating for the show, and then you leave a comment for it. And as you'll know, if you are a regular listener to the show, I tend to read those out on episodes. So if you'd like to get yourself a bit of airtime, that's also pretty cool. The one minute traffic tip. Now, have you ever wondered why you start to see advertising for a particular website immediately after visiting it and why those ads seem to follow you around the internet for weeks and weeks after? Well, remarketing is the answer to that one. Now, I conducted a whole interview on remarketing on episode 15 of Traffic Jam with Justin Brooke, but remarketing is so powerful, I wanted to mention it again. Here's how it works. Now, using a service like Google AdWords, you can install a tracking cookie on your website and then follow up visitors to your site with tailored advertising as they browse around the internet. Now, you can segment those visitors based on actions they take on your site. So as an example, if they visited a particular product page, you can follow them up with advertising showing the benefits of that particular product in the ad. If perhaps a visitor has added an item to their shopping cart but does not check out, you can entice them back to your site with a discount coupon in your advert. I mean, I absolutely love remarketing because it's so damn ninja for one, but also it gives so much more leverage to your other traffic sources because it entices back to the site the people that are already interested in your products and services. 
Thank you for listening in to episode 39 of Traffic Jam. I will, of course, be back next week with another show. Remember to subscribe via iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And for a direct link to all Traffic Jam episodes, go to trafficjamcast.com, where you can join the discussion on this episode and get the links to all of the resources mentioned in today's show. Also, head on over to veravo.com for more traffic tips and training. And of course, to learn how I can help you get more traffic via the search engines. Now, we end this week's show with a track chosen by Dan, and it's called Show Me by Kid Me. Enjoy. Everything just right. B said, put it to the left. Don't listen to the hype, though. Got a cup in your hand. Baby sitting, but you ain't got no kiss. We ain't leaving till it ain't no more left. Can't see no time on the Rolex. I can tell you a freak gon' show it. Looking for the after party with a dough at. Dough on the flow like a dough man. Baby, you know where to throw that. I said, What your name is I don't really care who you came with Unless you got a couple friends look like you My bad if my ex try to fight you Roll up soon as I roll in Security better get with the program Too deep ain't nowhere to stand So high ain't nowhere to land You remind me of something missing Misses you got my full attention Listen let go of the tension If I get a minute I'll put your bad ass in detention Put your pennies to the side I'ma make you feel alright Cause I'ma give you what you need, yeah
You've been listening to the Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.